We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, singer David Archuleta says that Christians in LDS can still be LGBTQIA plus and believe in God and his gospel plan. Is he right? I'll answer that question on today's show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's show. American Idol star of uh, season seven, you may remember him. Uh, His name was David is David Archuleta. And he announced on Instagram this past Saturday that he is a, quote, member of the LGBTQIA plus community. That's his reference. That's his categorization, his label. And he's saying that Christians and Mormons can accept such sexual identities and that that is compatible with their faith. Is he right? Is this something that we can embrace as Orthodox Christians? That's the question I'm going to answer in today's show. It's a very critical question. It's much bigger than LGBTQIA or whatever other alphabet soup you want to use to start dumbing down the definition of what it means to be human into all of these subcategories. I've already covered that in earlier shows. I've talked to you about this repeatedly, that we are bigger than these categories, that this is not how God created us, that we are one race, the human race, that we are one body, the body of Christ, that we are neither Jew or Gentile, barbarian or Scythian, male or female. This is the Apostle Paul's language, folks. This is biblical language. This is language from Moses. This is the Genesis narrative that we are created as one being, the human being, a being that is made in the image of God that is different from all of the rest of creation. But we are bastardizing that definition of the human being with all of these labels. When when do the labels stop? When do the initials end? L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-X-Y-Z-A-B-C. When does this all end? When are we going to stop segregating the human being? When are we going to take Solomon's sword away and stop cutting the baby in half? When are we going to recognize that when you cut something in half, when you sever a living thing, that it dies? You no longer have community, which is the word they keep using. Community 
infers that you're common, that you're one. No, we don't have community any longer. We have diversity. We don't have unity. We have division. It's us against them. Whites against blacks. Straights against gays. LGBTQIA against Christians and Mormons and everybody else, apparently. This is not a healthy place for us to be. We're supposed to be a melting pot where we melt all together, meld together as one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all because it is one nation under God. That's what we're supposed to be. And the church of all places should understand that. So in today's show, I'm going to address this statement from this young man, David Archuleta, from American Idol, season seven, who says that we can all embrace as we gather around the church altar in a great big kumbaya hug, we can all embrace God and his gospel plan while celebrating all things LGBTQIA+. Let's take a break and acknowledge our corporate sponsors. And when when I get back, we'll discuss this issue. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So more on this story. And by the way, I'm reading it out of Breitbart, and it is dated June 13th, 2021. So the reference earlier of last Saturday is a few days off, but that doesn't matter for the sake of the show or for the sake of making this point. The story says this, American Idol Season 7 runner-up David Archuleta announced on Instagram Saturday that he is a member of the LGBTQIA plus community urging Christians and Mormons to accept such sexual identities as compatible with their faith. Here's his quote. I like to keep myself private. I like to keep to myself, but also thought this was important to share because I know so many people from religious upbringings feel the same way. Red flag, feel the same way from religious upbringings. What religion? What religious upbringings? Orthodoxy? Christianity? Uh, Church of the Latter, Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints? Mormon? What what religion? Islam? Uh, Baha'i? What religion? Do all of these religions lead to the same summit? Are they just different paths up the mountain to the same God? Or does it matter what you believe? Does it matter that you embrace orthodoxy? If you claim to be Christian, do you have to subscribe to the creeds Do you have to subscribe to the Bible as the Word of God, exclusive, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and true? Or can you change your Christianity with subsequent books and different theology than what is explicitly outlined in the 2,000-year-old creeds of our faith? What religion? And what about your feelings? Uh, Do your feelings trump the facts of everything I just implied? Okay, back to his quote. I've been open to myself 
okay, again, myself. Millennial infatuation and narcissism. I've been open to myself and my close family for some years now, and I'm not sure about my own sexuality. Close quote. He goes on in this, and I could belabor it, but he goes on to basically suggest a syncretistic view of faith and religion. Syncretistic. Syncretism. In sync. That all religions sync together, and that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. That's what he suggests in this article. And he says that Christianity and Mormonism essentially are part of the same faith and he religion, I should say. And then he also suggests that whether you're LDS, Latter-day Saints, or whether you're Christian, I'm not too sure why he's separating the two now when he just implied that they're melded together into one, that you can still believe in God and his gospel plan. Interesting language there. Well, is that true? Let me refer to a sermon by John Wesley, and this is the Piper paraphrase of that. I'm not reading it directly right now. John Wesley once presented a sermon on saving faith, essentially the gospel. Now, what does gospel mean? It means good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. So you have to define who Jesus is, number one, and number two, what that good news is. Otherwise, you're creating a construct rather than talking about an objective fact. So who is Jesus? We've got to answer that question. And frankly, if you're Mormon out there and listening to me right now, and you understand your own theology, you have to agree with what I'm going to say right now. And I need to preface this. I know Glenn Beck personally, and I, he's, a gr- he's a great man. He's a very kind man. He's a very moral man. But he and I share different theology, and he and I would both acknowledge that. Glenn Beck does not believe in the Orthodox Trinitarian description of God, that there is only one God in, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that God, as one, reveals himself in that Trinitarian relationship that he has within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternal, as one, in relationship. Remember, I've talked to you about the analogy of a fountain. A fountain, that 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 fountain is one fountain. And flowing out of that fountain is the eternal water. So the fountain, the Father, the water coming out of the fountain, the Son, and the mist, if you will, surrounding the fountain, the light that allows you to see the fountain, the Holy Spirit, the illumination of that reality. Now, all analogies break down. I mean, some people use the analogy of water, or excuse me, H2O, and that it can come in a solid form, a liquid form, or um, gas. That is a decent analogy too. Some people use the clover, three leaves on the same clover. Now, all analogies break down, but the bottom line is Christian orthodoxy believes in the Trinitarian God, a single God, one God in three persons. Now, Glenn Beck, and as well as the rest of y'all who are good Mormons, recognize that that's not your theology. You might subscribe to the Trinity, but you believe that Jesus is created, not eternal. 
that he is the brother of Lucifer and that Jesus and Lucifer both are created by the Father God. Also in Mormon theology, you believe that when you die, you become, if you've been faithful to your religion and its tenets, that you inherit your own planet and become your own God within that planet and procreate as the Father God did when he procreated the Son, Jesus Christ. This is very different than what's taught in the Bible. Also, Orthodox Christians believe that the Bible is the last word. It has the last word. It is the last word. It is the word of God, and there is no other. That's not consistent with Mormon theology. Obviously, there's the Book of Mormon, which comes along later. So we have differences here, and those differences matter. They matter a great deal. As one apologist said when he was at a, I think he was at Oxford, a great apologist when he was done talking and defending the faith, in a question and answer session, a student said, hey, I disagree with your implication that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by him. And that apologist answered and said, well, I guess you're right. If you're suggesting that all paths lead to the same God and that Jesus isn't the only way, then I guess you're right. As long as we set aside these differences, the definition of God, the definition of sin, the definition of salvation, if we set aside the ontological, epistemological, and theological distinctions that Jesus Christ himself taught, yeah, I guess if we set all these minor issues aside, like the definition of the human being, the definition of life, the definition of marriage, if we set aside all of these things, then I guess all religions do lead to the same God. And what was that apologist's point? Well, it's really quite silly to claim that all religions lead to the same God and that this coexistence bumper sticker actually makes sense. It makes no sense because, quite frankly, all of the religions that are represented in that bumper sticker don't coexist in the sense of syncretism. They actually contradict one another. Why do Mormons send their youth out to do missionary work because they want to convert people to that religious belief system. Why does Islam disagree with Christianity? And in the Dome of the Rock itself, around the rim of the Dome of the Rock, on the Temple Mount, are the Quranic verses that refute the Trinitarian God and refute the fact that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God. Why? Well, it's because they disagree, and they're being honest about it. And we should, too, if we hold on to Christian orthodoxy. So Archelaide's view that you can believe in God and his gospel plan, well, let's get back to John Wesley. Well, sure, you can believe in God, but what God is it that you're believing in? And what gospel is it that you say is his plan? Define those terms. John Wesley, in his sermon on saving faith, asked this question, what is saving faith? Is it belief in God? He said, no, saving faith is not belief in God. He said this because even the demons believe and tremble. The epistle of James, the devil believes in God. He may believe in God more than you and I do. 
Satan's knowledge of and belief in God is absolute. He knows that God exists. And the demons respond to Jesus in the New Testament by saying, Son of man, son of God, leave us alone, depart from us. The demons knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the eternal God, the second person of the Trinity. And they screamed out in fear when he confronted them. So belief in God and his gospel plan, hmm, even the demons believe and tremble. So if it's not belief in God that saves you, maybe it's belief in Jesus. That'll save you, right? Not just belief in this nebulous God, but the actual belief in Jesus. Well, no, John Wesley said belief in God doesn't save you because even the devil believes in God. Belief in Jesus doesn't save you because you've got these people in the New Testament, that believed in Jesus. They believed that he was their quote-unquote Savior. They thought he was their Messiah, but they were mistaken as to Jesus's identity. They thought Jesus was a political Savior. They had it wrong. They thought Jesus was going to overthrow Rome militarily. They had it wrong. So their belief in Jesus was the belief in the wrong Jesus. It was the belief in Jesus before he was actually crucified and rose again. So you could say this, is it belief in God that saves you? No, even the demons believe in God. Even Satan believes in God. That doesn't save you, obviously. Is it belief in the Jesus of the apostles' time? Is it the belief that the apostles had of Jesus as their political Messiah? No, that doesn't save you because you had the definition of Jesus wrong. So John Wesley, again, says it's not belief in God that saves you, and it's not even belief in Jesus that saves you. Because if you misunderstand the definition of Jesus, then your salvation is in question. This is John Wesley. And stop and think about it. Were all these people that believed in Jesus as their political Messiah, were they saved? Ask that question. That's what John Wesley is asking of you. So if it's not belief in God that saves you, and if if it's not belief in Jesus, per se, that saves you, the belief of the apostles, their belief that they had in Jesus, what is it that saves you? John Wesley offers this. It's not belief in God. It's not belief in the Jesus of the... As he walked and talked with the apostles, and they were confused and thought he was their political... Messiah. It's the belief in Jesus after the resurrection. It's the belief of the apostles after they finally understood. It's the belief of doubting Thomas as he saw the resurrected Christ and he could actually put his hands in his side, the wound of his side, and his fingers in the wounds of his hands. It's the belief of the apostles when they said, my Lord and my God. And they understood that it wasn't political revolution that would save them, that it was confession, that it was repentance, that it was the acceptance of that gospel plan. It was the good news of the gospel. 
the biblical message, the orthodox message, the good news, the gospel message of the triune God. This is Christianity. This is saving faith. It's a faith that says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a faith that says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's a religious belief, a faith, a conviction, a subservience to the Bible to the point where you acknowledge that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. One that says, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when the Bible uses the word Lord, it's elevating Christ to the status of God. Not a God among many gods, but the singular triune God. The same God that inspired the Old Testament is the same God that is revealed in the New Testament. It's one God. It's not many. But God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't elevate our passions and proclivities, our inclinations to sin as the defining hyphenated nature of our Christianity. No, we don't do that. We recognize, we recognize that all have sinned, whether in thought or deed, and fallen short of the glory of God, and that the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that God showed his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Also, keep this one in mind. 1 John 1.9 if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He changes us. Like I said earlier, when I referred to the passage out of 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone claims to be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed. Listen to this. The old has passed and behold, the new has come. You don't come up with these labels for your identity this alpha, alphabet soup of division. That's not the gospel message. It's antithetical to it. We're told in Acts 3.19, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And then Ephesians 2.8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Not a nebulous, syncretistic faith, but a faith in everything that I just read. Not something of your feelings. You don't have faith in your feelings. You have to have faith in the facts that have been presented to you. You don't make it up as you go. Do you believe the revealed truth of God, his gospel plan, or not? Or are you going to create your own version of God that you feel better about. By grace, you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that none of us can boast. 
That's the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. And then his letter to the church of Rome. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, this is all saving faith. This is all what John Wesley was talking about. It's not the belief in God, because even the devil believes. It's not the belief of the apostles, at least not the belief while Jesus was walking and talking among them, because they misunderstood who Jesus was. It's the belief the apostles had after the resurrection when they finally understood they had it wrong at first, and that Jesus was their Lord and their God. So, Mr. Archuleta, can you believe in the agenda of LGBTQIA? Can you be LGBTQIA plus and still believe in God? Yeah, you can be part of the gay, lesbian, trans community and believe in God. I'm not suggesting otherwise, but the question is, do you believe in the God of the Bible, or do you believe in the God that you're making up as you go? And when you say you believe in his gospel plan, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the good news of Jesus as revealed in Scripture? Well, then we better go back to the way Jesus communicated. We better go back to what he said, rather than what we think and feel. Let's attend to the facts of Christ. Well, he said, in Matthew 7, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, we did all of this stuff in your name. And Jesus will respond and say, depart from me. Get away from me. I never knew you. Now, how is that possible? Is it possible that they had the name of Jesus wrong, that they had created their own Jesus rather than accepted the real Jesus. And then Jesus also said in Revelation, the very end of the book, outside are the dogs, those who practice deception and sexual immorality. Isn't that interesting? Was that a proclamation as well as a prophecy of our times? The end times. Interesting questions, huh? In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Outside are the dogs, those who practice deception. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But you've got to believe the truth. You can't make it up as you go. I'm Dr. Piper, and this is The Rebellion.